In season one, she introduced herself to us as being Queen Bee and MVP. But by season two of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the MVP was staring down a possible 30 years in federal prison. Though the only guilt she admits to is being sh-amazing, the jury may hand down a much harsher conviction. This week's episode is The Crimes of Jen Shaw. Up, bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. I think we've talked before about what our taglines would be if we were real <laughs> right. housewives. Victoria, friend of the pod, Victoria yes. Tribble, did a, a housewives, a sinisterhood housewives tagline TikTok. I believe mine was, brown recluses can eat my ass, was my <laughs> housewife tagline. <laughs> I mean, that's you can't get much more perfect than that. Yeah, True. that's what I was thinking because... They have they change them every year. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we have to think of. We need to start doing a maybe of our own Real Housewives taglines each year, <laughs> every season, yeah, and hold something out in front of us. I think. Oh I, yeah, we hold out of school. Oh, clearly, duh. At yeah. Salt Lake City, it's snowflakes. Beverly Hills, it's diamonds. We had to hold out of school. If you guys are listening to this show and you don't really watch Real Housewives, we hope this will be a great odyssey into a crime, a uh, insidious white collar crime that spanned the course of years and then bonus on top of it if you do watch real housewives then you will have even more context of who these people are but we'll lay out their background and stuff because i think for us i started watching real housewives of salt lake city only because i knew jen shaw is in hot water with the feds yes the news came out and then you went back and watched then having known same with same same with with erica though so you knew what happened and even even then, you were still like, God, I, I like her, though. Like it's hard. And so for people that had watched six seasons of her, mm-hmm. and then that news came out, I think that's why people have been, like, so incensed is because you de- feel like you developed some sort of one-sided relationship where you really know people, mm-hmm. even, though it's, even though it's reality TV. It's still all... Yeah, ah, it's not. I mean, it's it's real to a degree. But There's yeah, prompted parts of it, I think. Well, and, and you're right, because I think also with Erica from The Housewife and the Hustler, which if you have not listened to, I would say go back and listen to because yet another tangled web of white collar mm-hmm. crimes. But with with Erica, there is even more footage of her laying basically being as real as they're going to be on the show. And now that's all the story is changing. Yeah. So now she's saying, well, this, and I actually just watched it in one of the new developments in uh, the Erica and Tom situation is she said, oh, he had this car accident. She had previously told everyone he broke his ankle. And then she's now saying, oh, he had a head injury and that caused his dementia. And that's why he did all these crimes. Well, now I'm going, I was going back and watching season eight and she does say it very flippantly. Oh yeah, he broke his ankle. It's fine. He's being a baby. He's being so annoying about it. And then you see him and he's he's within one or two episodes not 
he's not laid up. There's no bed rest. So now she's trying to reconstruct this narrative of, oh, this crazy thing happened all these years ago. But then you go back and we have the footage. That's we have the, the thing. evidence here. When you're on those shows, it's real hard to lie. It reminds mm-hmm. me of that Black Mirror episode where everything gets recorded in your little uh, eye socket thingies. And then <laughs> your spouse can see like everything you've been thinking of and you can go back and replay fights. And so you can't lie about stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's ever a parallel to uh, a Black Mirror, it's definitely Real Housewives. <laughs> I think so. Is any type of reality show. Yes. But, and then this one, there's now, it's even on a very micro scale, we will see the documents that have been filed in court versus the footage that we're now seeing and their discrepancies. We've there always are. said human human brains are garbage and they can't remember anything ever. So not surprising, but I think this is a little bit more than I don't quite remember what went down. Also call Bravo and Andy Cohen and be like, hey, I need to see footage right. from this day. But I think we'll see as we go through the story it is a it's not a matter of a confused memory. I think it is trying to reframe the narrative despite the fact that there's video evidence to yes. the contrary. Yeah. It does make you wonder though how often, which I think we've talked about is very often, do our brains think that they truly are being honest when the narrative changes just because that's what you want to believe? So that's True. why we say like you can't trust somebody's memory. Mm-hmm. eyewitness accounts or anything like that because if you it would Jen really think that's how that conversation went if she did not have footage showing her exactly how it went you know what I mean that's true and it and it makes me wonder in some other instances on the show when somebody says ABC and then another time they go did you say ABC the other day I would never say that and there's footage of them mm-hmm. saying that exact thing and it's like are you in denial you don't want to remember you're or you're like a cat covering up shit on a tile floor you're like I'm just uh, I would never say that yeah and she's lying and anyway don't you remember this thing happened and you know trying to deflect so it's all I think it's an interesting study on interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. and also watching that's kind of the sick like you know, we're all voyeuristic. Yeah. You want to watch what happens and how somebody reacts to basically being under federal criminal investigation Mm -hmm. and how they're going to respond to that. So, well, speaking of watch what happens. Yeah. We just did a really fun conversation with Ben and Ronnie from watch what crappens about this and a bunch of other real housewives shenanigans that we're going to release as a bonus episode. Uh, the same day that this comes out, so you'll get a you little get a little um, extra deep dive, and we had a lot of fun with those those two guys. We did. We had so much fun, and their knowledge of the Bravo verse is deep. just deep. Deep, far and wide. Mm-hmm. It is so impressive. And I love, too, that they, they were looking up stuff that we had discussed, but they they said, you know, not only did I look this up, and then I dug deeper and deeper. I'm like, we're all kindred spirits here yeah. because we're trying to get <laughs> the real story down below the surface of what is, you know, generally told in some of these narratives. So we had – and we they're just a hoot. And their oh, impressions yeah. of the housewives are so unparalleled. And now that I cannot watch the show without hearing their voices <laughs> doing like Erica Jane and stuff, the it's so ultimate compliment. So funny. And we no, had so did so a funny. bonus episode with them that they'll be releasing on their feed where we talk about some of the other housewife crimes because what a so many. what a storied <laughs> past so many of these housewives have. Yeah, we talk about PK and Dorit, Teddy Mellencamp, 
scam. She's got like a MLM scam. Gosh, she's a monster. Her husband then also had a scam that was getting all these crazy Yelp reviews we were reading. So yeah, it's a there's more than enough that could fill. Yes. <laughs> you could do a whole separate thing. That's so just go uh, check us out on their their end too, and just listen to them because they're great. Yeah. They're so fun. Also, I think by the time most of you are listening to this, we will either be in Salt Lake City. This comes out the day of the Denver show. In, well, it'll come out the day we're in Denver, but if you're listening to it on the Thursday after it came out, we're in Salt Lake City. We're right in. Now. We're there. We're inside you right now. Yeah. We're, we're, we're here. Hopefully, we I'm are. Walter. Hopefully, we are visiting with Walter. We're yes. like driving past Mary's church or. I'm honestly manifesting this, that we go somewhere and run into Heather. I think if we, maybe we can make an appointment at <gasps> Beauty, Beauty Lab and Laser. Oh my gosh. Let's I will do totally it. do it. If, Let's see if they'll like, I wonder if it. she's really there as much as she seems to be on the show. No? I hardly doubt it. You don't it. think so? Man, I think you have to book in advance <laughs> to make sure Heather will be there. But well, big Heather stands. Yes, uh, she is my favorite. Also, big Whitney stand. So, if you these are all characters from Real Housewives yes, of Salt Lake City. If you want us to come have a hot tub party with you after our show in Salt Lake, yes. also, if you want to come to our show in Salt Lake, please let us know. If anybody knows any of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, it'll be too late by the time you hear this. Oh, yeah, it will. It's fine. That's it's fine. True. We'll meet them. It'll, no, it won't. We'll, we'll this comes it. out in Denver. That's true. It'll come so out. So the day before our Salt Lake show, this will come out. It could happen. Please it could happen, you guys. We put out wise. we put out the call for the Denver airport connection, and I think we have one now. So I think somebody came through. We got a Grundle get- connect. So <laughs> we can get a housewife connect. Somebody has to know them. I'm gonna get up on that Grundle. That's my dream. <laughs> so and then we'll find the Grundle equivalent of Salt Lake City. I'm gonna get up on Valter. That's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Just stoic Walter. <laughs> He's the best mater D in all of Salt Lake City. Yes. Well, we're going to be talking about Jen Shaw primarily in this episode, and what a what a nitty gritty D. What a hot mess she is. From it sounds like pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather, and let's get into it. Jen Louis Shaw is a businesswoman, wife, and mom who is the breakout firecracker star of the inaugural season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. According to the Bravo website, Jin, who identifies as Tongan and Hawaiian, felt like she often stuck out in the traditionally white Mormon world of Salt Lake City where she grew up. And she talks about this on the show that mm-hmm. kids just assumed that she was black because yeah. they couldn't conceptualize somebody being from anywhere else, which has got to be fish out of water hard to, to go through. Absolutely, yes. And she grew up Mormon, and then when she meets... Her husband, who was Muslim, she converted to being Muslim. Jin met her husband, Sharif Shah, at the University of Utah, where they both attended college in the early 1990s. Sharif was a star strong safety for the Utes before he suffered a career-ending neck injury three games into his senior season. The pair then graduated from the university in 1993. In 94, the couple welcomed their first son, Sharif Jr. They later married, then welcomed their second son, Omar. And she's talked about it on the show and then come out in interviews saying it was really hard getting pregnant out of wedlock yeah. and having to tell her parents. Her parents lived about an hour away from, or she went to school about an hour away from home. So she said she would try to hide it for as long as she could. But I feel like it, there's a point in pregnancy. Yeah. They're usually, with me, uh, they're very much what's the point. But then you hear of those stories where 
I didn't people. know I was pregnant. No, yeah. They just <sighs> go to the bathroom and out pops a baby. It's wild. I watched that, that show a long time. I mean, I don't know if it's still on. I think it was on TLC and a young lady was I think in high school or college. I think she might have been in college and she played soccer and she gave birth during a soccer game on the pitch. She was running What's the pitch. Like the soccer field. She she popped out a baby on the soccer field? She was like running during a soccer game and thought she had a cramp and she stopped on the <gasps> side of the the field and then was like, uh and to the athletic trainer came over and bent over and had a baby. Holy hell. Can Meanwhile, you Wait, how old was she? High school? Like I said, she was early, like early 20s, late teens. So she, I, like I said, I can't remember if she was a senior in high school. She may have been in college. That is shocking. Oh, that's, and that show made me so scared. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what if I'm pregnant right now? Like, you don't know. It's um, I don't live a life. I don't put into my body what it would sustain another life. That's it barely sustains my that, life. That's what's always uh, dangerous about it is because you're like, Damn, for nine months, I was not acting like I was pregnant. <laughs> I was living so, it up. So I, there was no way I was not going to know. It was, yeah. I mean, I was huge. The baby was moving around and everything. But if you carry like really far back or, or low or you're, you're larger, you know, you might just not know. And then, and if you don't. If you're not like trying or you don't think it's a possibility, you might not even be looking for the signs if you have irregular periods. I don't know. It's it's wild though. Yeah. I have to just tell myself that's very rare. I think it is. I mean, well, I will There's say There's a whole show about it. I though. do know I do know one person that it happened to. Oh my god. But they they were 6 months when they found out. Oh my god. So, she her delivery date was a month after mine, but she actually had the baby early. So we were pregnant for the same amount of time, but she had the luxury of only knowing she was pregnant for three months. So living it up. Yeah. Or I don't think, I don't think she was, I think she was still living like she, she wasn't, but it's just like, you don't have to wait then. Cause ha- mm-hmm. one of the biggest like hassles of pregnancy is just like the waiting, especially when mm-hmm. you get to the last few months, you're like, oh my God, can we please just have this baby here? So if you only, if it was only three months, I had to think about that. Fine. Easy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a um, three month pregnancy. That's, that's it's great. awesome. Yeah. And her baby is beautiful and healthy. So good. That's all that's important. Yes. With his football career over, Sharif returned to the university of Utah for a master's in 1995, then his law degree in 2001. From 2000 to 2011, Sharif worked as a sideline reporter for Utah Radio, while also practicing law as a commercial litigator and personal injury lawyer. He also worked for a time as a sports agent. He left his law practice and began coaching for Utah full-time in 2012, according to the university's official coaching biography. So this is something that they don't talk about on the show. Not that at he's all. A, he was a practicing attorney. It's yeah. all just Coach Coach Shaw. Coach mm-hmm. Shaw. He's a coach. He loves football. He's a recruiter in the off season and at all the games and during the season. And it turns out, but it sounds like although he went to law school and was practicing, that he never left that love of football behind mm-hmm. because he did get his uh, credentials to become an agent. He also was almost constantly on the radio, like talking about football, living it, going to games. So. He didn't want to leave that behind, but that's a busy, busy life having very busy and two very different lives. When I yeah. found that out, I thought, wow, that is quite a surprise because they never mention it. And it's just such 
a different career than sports. <laughs> You're like, well, I guess I'll go be a personal injury lawyer. I mean, I guess you could have some sports clients. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. And especially if he's a sports agent, that would being a lawyer would probably mm-hmm. help with some of the logistics of that. I just, I mean, for a long time before I was doing this full time, I was a lawyer and did this at night. But I had, I feel like, uh, the type of jobs like being a deal lawyer, a transactional attorney, I knew when I would be busy based mm-hmm. on pretty much, you know, when deals were going to close. And then, you know, being with legal aid, it was way more nine to five. But litigation is a lot of hours. Yeah. And sometimes people file things and you have to respond and there's deadlines. So, damn, that's yeah. a busy <laughs> that's life. Some dedication. That's busy some dedication. life. From around 1998 to 2005, Jen worked for Franklin Covey the organizational planner company owned by Stephen Covey in the marketing and brand management department of their coaching division. Beginning around 2005 until 2011, she worked for Prosper, a coaching and education company. Following that, Jen worked for Thrive Learning from 2011 through 2013, before the company was sold to another company called Guidance. Jen then worked at Guidance through at least April of 2015. Thrive and related individuals were charged by the Federal Trade Commission in a deceptive telemarketing operation that took millions of dollars from thousands of consumers who were trying to start home-based internet businesses. The matter was settled in 2017. So she kind of starts out at a bigger company and then moves into this world of nebulous services selling. And that's kind of in my past life as a I did an internship with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission of Types of things that when your business model appears on the Federal Trade Commission website as like... Not good, I imagine. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like things to look out for. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly the companies that she worked yeah. for. And then you look them up and the Federal Trade Commission stopped them from doing business. Is it all so, like coaching, starting mm-hmm. your own business, people offering to like sell you things to help with your personal business? Yeah, and some of them can be legitimate. You know, if you know what you're getting and you're not being promised wild and, you know, unrealistic expectations, that's there's nothing wrong. I know people that have life coaches sure. and that's a, a legitimate thing. But this is a case where they say, okay, if you give us X dollars a month, $50 a month, we're going to give you the secrets to make at least a 100% return in real estate in 12 months. Yeah. Well, that's never going to happen. No, no. Or it's, so, or it's like, do you want to make $200,000 a year by staying at home and being a stay-at-home mom? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, of course, doesn't everyone? And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm going to have to pay a lot of money. Yes. And I mean, that's what the whole Lula Rich thing. What, you yeah. know, I mean, all these women thought they were going to get – just and some did get very wealthy off of it, but very few, and the rest were out tens of thousands of dollars in in the long run. And it's one of those things where that that is the FTC's purpose is unfair and deceptive business practices. And when someone is lying for the purpose of a running their business and b getting money, that's exactly the people who they come in and smack with fines and and pretty much enjoin them from doing that any further, which mm-hmm. is what happened here. But it's interesting to me that the Thrive was sold to Guidance in 2013, but then the they don't just because the company gets sold, the FTC doesn't just go away. They're right. like, no, we know that you did this from this year to this year just because you're like fly by night, shut down the business, start another one, sell it off, sell the assets, whatever. We're still going to go after you. So I think a lot of these... Again, it's like any crime. They think, oh, I'm smarter. I can just, uh, I'll mm-hmm. be fine. But really, they're going to track you down. And especially nowadays, everything's a paper trail. Yeah, very true. Jen told local TV station KUTV 
that she was tapped for the Salt Lake City franchise of the popular Bravo show because she is a business owner. She told the station, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I worked in Fortune 500 corporate America for the first part of my career. Then I knew it was time to go out on my own. I wanted to get out and do my own thing and take that leap. She took that leap and it apparently paid off. Season one showed Jen's many, many assistants, including her first assistant, Stuart Smith. In an organization chart dated from 2011, Jen and Stuart are both shown as VPs of business development at Thrive. Yeah, on the show, it's set up that Stuart's like her right-hand man and he's does everything They're as like far as... They're like little partners, in, I mean, literal partners in crime. But, literal. I mean, coach you see <laughs> on the show is on the road... 90% of the time. So he's very rarely at home. So Stuart kind of fills that role of going with her to events where you would normally take your significant other or just going out to lunch. But also they clearly are business partners or he works for her, but it's very unclear on the show what the business is or why she needs, I think, five assistants. It's, it's, it's it'll it's just even more than they'll that. Come on I mean, screen it'll, and it'll say be like Jen's eighth assistant. Yeah. It'll be like, yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't even think celebrities have that many, like, big-time no. names have that many assistants. She has a whole, and I don't know, too, as far as, how do you even manage that many people when they're all... You they, have an assistant, an assistant to manage them. You have an assistant manager. <laughs> Stewart man, It's Yeah. yeah. It's and she her, calls them stew chains. If you don't watch the show, <laughs> yes. it's her BFF she calls stew chains. Even their assistant system isn't MLM system. Like you have to I coach mean... someone underneath you before you can get moved <laughs> up to be their coach. And then it's all, everything in her life is a pyramid scheme. And it's all ranked too because it says he's the first yes. assistant. Yeah. This one's the second. And it'll say Jen's seventh assistant. Well, also, they, I mean, like you said, he does stuff that is, I mean, may, I guess if you're a personal assistant, you would do this. The recent episode, they were walking the dogs together and picking up poop. Yeah. Like, so he, I mean, it's, it's not just, okay, meet me at the office. It is no, like intertwined. It's like drive me around, go get me Starbucks, but also can you send this email to this client? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. all over the place, which is why I'm like, why do you need six other assistants? I don't get it. I need a, I need an org chart of her life. That's what <laughs> we do. Well, always in head-to-toe glam, Jen is often seen ordering her assistants around her nearly 10,000-square-foot mansion. She lovingly referred to as the... Shaw Ski Chalet. While Jen appeared as the owner of the mansion on the reality series, it was later revealed she was merely renting the $3.9 million property. Prior to when filming began on season one, Jen sold the actual property she had been living in for just over $200,000, according to the New York Post. I get it that it's a reality show, but I believed that they truly own this house, and I feel like an idiot. The because wool was I did pulled not over realize. your eyes. Yes. I, it, now, because when we talked to Ben and Ronnie, Ben was like, it's actually really common for a lot of the housewives to do that or they'll rent cars and stuff, which I guess you're like, yeah, because everyone sees this and you're trying to keep up this lifestyle. I mean, Erica Girardi was also, True. they weren't, they weren't renting it. That was their house, but they were in uh, massive amounts of debt. So, you know, mm -hmm. it was still a facade. It's all a sham. Yeah. But it does make you feel like, I mean, like with anything with media, that's dangerous you're like oh why can't i attain that why can't i be that and you're like they're not really like that it's, it's all, all it's fake. all smoke and mirrors it's all fake so then when you start comparing yourself to something that isn't even real it's like any image on instagram or yeah. you know 
um, edited stuff or like you're just seeing the best moments of people's lives. So you get in this real um, comparative mode and like imposter syndrome and you're like, well, I'm not that good. Why can't I be that good? And you're like, they're not that good either. Yeah. They are renting this giant mansion, which it's gorgeous. Mm hmm. But now it's watching beautiful, it, like peaked roofs, oh, like tons of glass. I mean, everywhere. it's like a fucking, it's like a ski lodge. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's but huge. It's all but now. Yeah, I thought, well, she must be doing really well with her business that she bought this house. Well, then at the beginning of se- beginning of season two, she says, "Well, our lease is up mm-hmm. on the first house, so we had to move." And so then, I mean, she's kind of forced to confess. It, but yeah. the, the whole time, though, throughout season one, this is why I kind of got annoyed and felt duped. Was it's one thing to go oh, well, we decided we weren't sure where we wanted to live, so we wanted to go ahead and rent this beautiful house. But no, it's like, this is our house. Yeah. And I, I get it, but it's, again, I technically she didn't lie because she said it's our house, and if you're renting a place, that's your place, you know, while you live there. Sure. But it was, uh, for sure, it was put forth as this is real and legit, so maybe I'm just the rube that bought it hook, line, and sinker. And I wonder if the other housewives knew that it was rented because Ben was saying yeah. that Meredith also rents. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just like a common thing in the Bravo housewife world. And so it's not weird if you do. Some of them you could tell that they really live there. Like their kids' mm-hmm. rooms are there and it looks. But then when you go back now and look at Jen's chalet, you're like, oh, yeah, this just kind of looks like an Airbnb. It doesn't really look lived yeah. in. It looks like you just Furnished. came into it. Yeah. And the one she has in season two, also gorgeous. I mean, mm-hmm. and you still have to be making pretty good money to be able to pay the monthly rent on that i'm sure it's mm-hmm. it's quite a bit but yeah she didn't own it yeah that's what i said maybe it's just me i should have i shouldn't have believed everything I well saw that's television. it's a good lesson for all of us don't believe everything you see on reality <laughs> don't compare TV. yourself to stuff because it's all fake it is it's all a sham 100 percent. well still it was undeniable jen was wealthy however no one on the show seemed to know what she did for a living fellow housewife and bff heather gay told Andy Cohen that when she had Jen on her podcast. I asked her for like an hour questions about her business. I never understood it. On the season one reunion, Andy tried to get to the bottom of it himself, asking Jen directly. How do you get so rich? Jen proceeded to describe her business as an advertising platform that helped businesses get customers. Yeah, so he asked directly and she tells us roundabout way of talking and everyone's just kind of nodding their head slash shrugging and heather's like yeah i didn't uh, see i still don't understand (laughs) no he's like we take the synergies and we work together with the cross business efficacies and we make it it's just all jargon you just just throw out these big words and these buzzwords and it's just enough for you to think okay i kind of get it but not really but i don't get it because that's just not my wheelhouse so you Mm -hmm. don't know enough to be able to argue or ask questions Mm -hmm. so i mean it's it's gaslighting essentially, but it's it's smart on her end because you can just say whatever and nobody can really argue with you because they don't know what they're even arguing about. For sure. They, there's no – Andy's like, oh, okay. Okay. You can't ask sure. a follow-up question. Yeah. What, because do you, there's... what do you ask? You're like, did we just talk in circles? I mean, it's just talking in circles. Like she says so much without saying anything at all. And he, that's his job as the host is to get information out of them. But I think when it's so circular like that, mm-hmm. you can't even, there's yeah. no hope. You're like, you can't say, can you break that down and clarify? There's there's none. No, no. When asked by Access Hollywood in November of 2020. Where'd all this money come from? Jen told the host. 
I own three different marketing companies, and we do lead generation and data monetization. So it's like customer acquisition. The best way to describe it is I'm the Wizard of Oz. I'm like the one behind the curtain that nobody knows exists, but I'm the one making everything happen. So when ads are popping to you guys, when you're like, how the hell do they know I'm shopping at Neiman Marcus? That's me. I'm making money on every click. Every time you click on anything, I'm making money. Jen went on to explain to Access Hollywood that her success in lead generation allowed her to expand into other industries, like her fashion company, skincare line, and lash line, as well as all different other kinds of investments. Ah, uh, none of this makes sense to me. No. It's she, I mean, she acts like she owns the internet, which I'm pretty he, sure she doesn't. Bill Gates owns No, uh, Al Gore owns the internet. He invented it. If you invent something, you own it forever. Uh, it's Al Gore. I, yeah, th- that's a real thing where the selling of personal information, I mean, it's what Facebook does. Mm-hmm. It's what TikTok does. Literally any app that you're on, if you're ever like, oh, my privacy, you're donezo. It doesn't matter if you own a phone. Apple does it. Apple listens to you. I said, what's in your wallet as a joke? And I got Capital One yeah. ads. Yeah. That's oh, I mean, creepy. have you like we'll talk about ads on the show or something on the show, and then I'll get on my phone later, and it'll be like showing me ads for Athena Club, and I'm like, you little bitch, you're listening to the conversations, yeah, or seeing us text each other about yeah, it or whatever, because sure. Facebook reads your messenger messages, mm-hmm. Apple reads your text message, like everybody's reading everything. You're not, so you're, you have no privacy unless you're no. a hermit and you live in a cave, Ron Swanson you, you style. You don't have any privacy. <laughs> Just throw your uh, computer into a dumpster, but even then, it's too late. So there is money to be made in trafficking in people's information. That's absolutely something that's going on. Uh, but she makes it sound like she's only using it for online advertising purposes, and we will soon see that is not what she's using. She's tra- she's trafficking information for sure. Uh, lead generation and data monetization that means she is taking your name and your phone number and selling it to people but who she sells it to that's the the key uh, argument in the government's case against her so is the way people like that get that is if i order something off of a website and i enter in like all of my information they have paid that website to get my name and information that they then sell to somebody else like you'll notice on a lot of websites, the the thing that pops up at the bottom that says we have we use cookies to enhance your experience, mm-hmm. and that started a lot more than oh. there was a shift Thank in you. regulation. I thought I was, Mm-mm. I about a year ago, I told Tommy, I go, have you noticed that any time you go to anything, this pops up? I feel like it didn't used to do that, so that has increased. Okay, yes, and and it's an increase in. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for in, in like disclosure. So now they have to tell you, Hey, we're using cookies cause they were probably just doing it before. And now they have to disclose it, but there's always a privacy policy of every website you use, every service you use. And I would bet my uh, house that majority of people have not read every line of every, you, you use TikTok. Yeah. You send me a TikTok. You did not go into tick, and the TikTok is like, can you believe Facebook sells your information? Well, the irony is, I guarantee you, you didn't read the TikTok terms that says TikTok can record your face, literally imprints of your face. It records your voice, imprints of your voice. It knows your phone. It sends the data, and and unless you sat there and read the privacy policy of every single thing you've gone on, I mean, it's like the, the barn door is open, right? Mm-hmm. So. Like Facebook will say in their privacy policy, and that's why they just went to, you know, testified before Congress. And now this whistleblower thing, 
uh, which I think is related to Facebook being down, but saying we know not even what, you know, what kind of things you shop for, but like what pisses you off. Mm -hmm. We know your emotions. We know they know a lot, a lot, a lot. And so what are they doing with it? That's why do you think Facebook's free? The hogs don't pay money to get into the slaughterhouse, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't we don't have to buy pay admission to use the app because we're the product that's being sold. Facebook itself is a lure for us because we want to have our memories and have our, you know, pictures and people. check in and, mm-hmm. and connect with people. And I love I use Facebook. I understand though the risks that come along with that. And so but Facebook is is facing, as is Google and all these other companies what are they doing with your data? Do they turn it over to the authorities? Are they selling it to scammers? Are they selling it to legitimate companies? What is a legitimate company? So that's all like an emerging area of regulation. Where I think you get in trouble is in a situation like this where you, if you get the information from illegitimate means, like people didn't consent to give it to you, or you then pass on the information to an illegitimate company knowing what they're going to do with that information mm-hmm. is illegal then that's when you get into hot water. Yeah. On March 30th, 2021, Jen and the other housewives eagerly boarded a luxury bus for an all-girls trip to Vail, Colorado. As the cameras rolled, Jen received a phone call and answered, Hey, baby. Appearing concerned and nervous while listening to the caller, she asks fellow housewife Whitney to disconnect her mic pack before stepping off the bus for privacy. Moments later, she returns to say she got some bad news and has to go. Jen then gets in a gray pickup, driven by someone else, and leaves. Wondering what just happened, the remaining housewives are even more bewildered when a helicopter can be heard circling above. Then, further shocking the women, the feds arrive and tell them, We're looking for Jen Shaw. Okay, even if you don't watch Real Housewives, uh-huh. I'll put it, I'm going to move it to the top of the show Go notes. Go watch this. The first two minutes of season two, it's just a, it's like watching an episode of like Cops or it's some yeah. kind of takedown, fugitive, chasing, dog the bounty hunter. Good God. <laughs> but it's something like that where you're like, it's like, do do in the yeah. music and you see her and she gets this call. You see the behind it's, the scenes of like, because they, they were filming, but ish. they weren't filming that was going to make it to the cutting room floor. Like, it was just, like, the cameras were always rolling. And I always like in reality shows when you see, like, that real meta, like, behind the behind scenes. Mm-hmm. So, um... It's like producers are adjusting cameras. Yeah. They're standing around with clipboards talking about who's going to do what. And then Jen and the a couple of the other women are just sitting on the back of this bus very innocuously. Oh, yeah, it'll be nice. Just kind of... Uh, clearly, it's phones, off camera. Yeah. On their phone, texting, looking at the internet, whatever. And then that's when her phone rings. And it... the energy totally shifts Mm -hmm. yes at the same time a few miles down the road the truck driving jen was being pulled over jen shaw was then arrested by federal agents at a separate location her first assistant Stuart smith was also arrested they were each charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing through which they victimized 10 or more persons over the age of 55 which carries a maximum sentence of 30 years and one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years. Seriousness. So they're targeting the elderly, which is what you have a lot of experience in. That's true. It's true. Before we were full-time here, I was uh, my exact client profile. They had to be over 60, which 
my some of my clients would scoff and say they did not feel like they were you know seniors or older adults. They're like, I, I don't feel like I'm I'm a senior. Or I don't feel like I'm elderly. But the federal government, the, the DOJ, has these programs where starting, I think it was. Mm, Early 2000s, maybe mid-aughts, there was this new push because we are living longer and there's more independence in older adults living by themselves. There's And also they've accumulated wealth. So retirement, sometimes, you know, it's not millions and millions of dollars, but sometimes thousands of dollars or thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of dollars. So they are easier targets, not only for familial financial exploitation, you know, a, a younger relative says, you know, I'll move in with you if you buy me this or, okay, I'm going to put you in a home if you don't give me yeah. money kind of thing. Or third party, unfortunately, it's becoming even more as we have more, you know, older adults being more tech savvy. We're seeing use of cell phones, getting text messages, you know, use of Facebook, getting DMs, these third parties that are targeting older adults saying, Either your Tommy, you said Tommy's grandmother got a call that said she's oh, got hey, several. This is... She gets she's, but from the, pretending to be Tommy. Yeah, right? every about once a year, we'll she'll we'll get a panicked call from her, and she'll be like, "Is everything okay?" And Tommy's like, "Yeah, why? Well, someone just called and said it was you, and they said that y- you were in jail because you had gotten into an accident." And he's like, "No, I'm fine." But yeah, mm-hmm. someone calls and. The, the, one of the guys said, I sound, I, I don't sound right because I got into a car wreck and broke my nose and I need, so there, you know, because she's like, well, this doesn't sound like my grandson. Mm-hmm. And they, every time they want her to send, to wire money because he's either hurt or he's in jail. And luckily she is, has the wherewithal to like not do it and then call to make sure Tommy's okay. But in that moment, if you're mm-hmm. – they prey on your emotions. It's like your grandchild you think is suffering, you know, I mean, and mm-hmm. you just – you all of a sudden wire somebody five grand. And they use social engineering, so they may have looked on Facebook and yeah. seen she she had a grandson. Or they just guess, and they go, yeah. Grandma? And she goes, Tommy, is that you? Because yeah. you don't – you know, you, you don't know – what to do in that situation? You're you just hear a frantic voice saying, "Grandma, there's actually we should do a mini soda on it." There has been a rash of calls, and it's actually not even older adults; it's of therapists being targeted in California and being told you were supposed to appear at a federal trial. Yeah, as an expert. I read an article uh, from a woman the other day that ran all over San Francisco. Yes. I think getting like gift mm-hmm. cards. Yeah. Falling for it because the person it's much like the McDonald's scam mm-hmm. that we talked about on that mini sode where a person with a voice of authority tells you this. Well, I think in this case it is the opposite where it, it's a sales pitch versus a threat. Yes. So that's just as much of a scam though. And this is what the Federal Trade Commission calls business opportunity scams. Yes. Where like you said earlier, do you want to make two hundred thousand dollars staying at home? And if you're on a limited income and you know you know that your expenses may increase, you may need you want to take care of your family, you think that you might need to go into some sort of a retirement community, then the idea of having passive income where you don't have to leave the house, especially in COVID that's yeah. a, I mean, it's a great pitch. Yeah, for sure. While it is unclear exactly how Jen and Stewart were found out, an affidavit from a Homeland Security officer alludes to at least six cooperating witnesses that provided information that led to the duo's arrest. After Jen's arrest on the show, other housewives wondered aloud how the feds would have known where Jen was that day, speculating that someone, possibly a rival housewife, must have tipped them off. Here's the thing. 
they were going to get her. Whether it was she's, that day. She's on a reality show. First of all, she's on a reality show. But the fact that that's it looks like they're pushing for that to be a narrative plot point Very for season much. two of Very like, much. who told the feds where Jinshaw was? It doesn't matter. First of all, they it is in the document, you know, the stuff that got filed with the court. There's a warrant. There's a whole argument. We'll get into her defense. But it was uploaded as part of her uh, defense motion to dismiss. That was a affidavit from a Homeland Security officer that said they were pinging her cell phone. Well, they knew where she, they they knew where she was. It wasn't yeah. anyone on the show. Spoiler alert. They're definitely alert. pushing the narrative. And for it to have been someone on the show, they would have had to have known she was being investigated by the feds and then called the feds to say, hey, they're about to go out of state because we're going on this ski trip. And then the feds all of a sudden show up. Jin has a lot of rivals on mm-hmm. the show as warranted warranted rifles well i mean when someone says they're gonna kill you and bury you behind the house yeah, or whatever or, or throw a glass you, at your face or and drown you whatever or likes a bunch of tweets online that are uh shaming your son and you know mm-hmm. comes at your family she's she's kind of a monster and what's the thing is like i watched this like you watched erica so you knew the crime mm-hmm. and then watched it that's how i was with this too and I was thinking, if I didn't know what she did first season, except for like a couple times, I, w- I would have loved her. Because yeah. she was like charming and this big bombastic personality and everything and like always down for a good time. But you're watching this now through the lens of you have all this money and you're doing all of this because you're stealing from people. Allegedly. Allegedly. People. Allegedly but scamming being charged, older adults. Yeah. With with by the feds for sure and and you're right that you you can't like unknow that as you go through and mm-hmm. watch it but yeah for her to to try to ask who amongst you ratted me out this is part of a wide ranging fraud conspiracy and y'all can tune into our conversation with Ben and Ronnie we talk to talk about a little bit on that as well but this is a case that's been going on for years before they even got a hold of her I think yeah. they just found out that she had stepped in it yes. Although the moments leading up to her arrest were shown in the season two intro, and Jen painted a different picture in a sworn declaration to the court. She stated that while driving to begin filming Real Housewives, she received a call from an anonymous person, passing on a message from Coach Shaw to her that she should come home. She then received a call from an NYPD detective who told her to pull over and wait for him. He arrived, and she was arrested. Jen claimed in her declaration she believed it was related to Individual one, an unnamed person who had physically assaulted Jin on previous occasions. And this is where it deviates from what we saw on camera because she's saying she got an anonymous call when we see on camera her going, Hey, baby. Yeah. And then also what she calls coach throughout everything. And coaches her husband. Yes. And so that's maybe an effort to separate her and you know separate coach from culpability i don't know or like you said maybe she really truly didn't recall where she was although i don't know i've never been um swarmed by the feds but i feel like (laughs) i would have answered i would feel like i would remember where i was that day and what i was doing i think it'd stick out in my i mean i have a really bad memory but i think something like that would imprint pretty quickly the day the feds came for me. I think that's a day <laughs> when you have to ask somebody to remove the mic pack so that you won't be recorded on camera and speed away from a filming yes. location. I mean, because- it all looks very, very suspicious. She gets a call. It 
it looks like it's from her husband. She immediately, her face falls. And within seconds, she's like, can you, and she's trying to like kind of say it under her breath. And Whitney's like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, disconnect this. And she turns it off and then she goes outside and and comes back. So she knew she didn't want whatever was being said to be Mm -hmm. recorded. And, you know, she was trying to have some privacy. And then somebody just comes to pick her up when, I mean, granted, it's all edited together. So you don't really know kind of how long it was all taking, but it seemed very quickly. So Mm -hmm. if somebody, whoever called her, knew what was going on and said, told someone else you need to go pick pick her the up from this phone tree they have a phone from this tree. location so that person's already on the way while she's getting the information from from the caller because when she says hey baby she goes no we haven't left we're still in the beauty lab parking lot mm-hmm. so whoever the caller is with could have been like go whoever pick her baby up. is yeah she's go she's in the beauty lab parking lot yeah well, and then she said because the phone – she said she got a call from a 917 number, which is New York, and then he identified himself as an NYPD detective and said – she said because she had previously filed a protective order in New York against a person who it has since come out was – the name is redacted, but allegedly also involved in that scheme that she's involved in, and they've gotten into these physical altercations in the past. She thought – and he, and he, the person had assaulted her in New York, but then also had – stalked assaulted been around her in utah as well so she thought okay well the nypd is calling me maybe to tell me he's in utah but when they came they handcuffed her yeah and that's you i don't i've never been arrested i don't think if you're being stalked and they're just trying to let you know about that they would do that and the feds that show up when she's already left all have nypd vests on too yeah yeah they you they're clearly identified as Law enforcement. Yeah. U.S. Attorney Audrey Strauss said in an official statement that while Jen and Stu Chains portrayed themselves as wealthy and successful on TV, they were actually engaged in fraudulent schemes motivated by greed to steal victims' money. According to People Magazine, Jen and Stewart allegedly spent 10 years perfecting their list of potential victims, which they referred to as leads. Well, yeah, one person's trash is another person's treasure. One, one person's, person's victim. List of- yeah. This is where I, I couldn't find really where they were getting the information from. And I still don't know if I have a firm grasp on, is it just like cookies? Like you just buy list of names from some, I don't know, any type of website and well, then you sell those names? That's Jen, which when we get into her defenses, the government hasn't said, that hasn't in any of its, either the complaint, the superseding indictment, or in its press release, what they, they just say they trafficked in people's names. They don't say they used a phone number. They used the phone book. They used property records. They used shopping lists from Amazon. They don't say, the government doesn't allege where they came from. Mm -hmm. So that remains to be seen. And Jen has not, in her nonsense answers of, what do you do? She's like, if you click on Neiman Marcus, then I have your name. Well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty vague. The Homeland Security Special Agent in Charge, Peter Fitzhugh, said in the same statement that Jen and Stewart flaunted their opulent lifestyle, 
but allegedly built that lifestyle. At the expense of vulnerable, often elderly, working-class people. Fitzhugh accused the pair of allegedly objectifying their very real human victims as leads to be bought and sold. He summed it up by saying, Their new reality may very well turn out differently than they expected. That's his you know. housewife tagline. He's like, Dude. I worked on this. I worked on Cross this. Cross his arms. <laughs> you know it. You know, he just holds he's like out so hands instead of a snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing with this type of, th- this these type of scams are going on constantly. The government does not have the bandwidth to catch every single person. So they're going to focus their energy on places where it's high uh, it's going to be highly visible to the, to hopefully to have a deterrent effect. Also, like a reality dollar, show, like, like you a make a big star. arrest on a reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, high dollar value and places where they have significant amounts of evidence. That's what's so wild. And we've talked about it before. And we talked about it with Ben and Ronnie, that these people that know they're doing things that are illegal long before they get on Housewives, decide to go on a TV show, a national TV show, where you're going to be under way more of a spotlight than you ever were. People are going to be, I mean, web sleuths as well as law enforcement are going to be digging up your past and stuff just to get information on you. So why do you do that? Is it greed? Do you think that you are just smarter Mm -hmm. than everyone and you're not going to get caught? You know, I think with her, she thinks she'd been in the industry for 10 years at least and, you know, with all the way back from Thrive Mm -hmm. and you think, okay, well, the Thrive people got busted on this slip up. I'm going to make sure when I do it, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like if say if the FTC told Thrive, if only you had this document that people signed off on, we wouldn't have busted you. Well, then you think, well, I'm just going to do the same thing and have people sign off on that document and then I won't get busted. That's not necessarily always the case. The government alleged that Jen and Stewart knew what they were doing and took steps to hide their fraudulent operation, including using other people's names to incorporate their businesses, using encrypted apps to send messages about the scheme, dealing in cash to avoid currency reporting requirements, and having payments from the scheme directed to offshore accounts. This is what makes me think that this is how Jen got looped in because... I would expect to see with the DOJ that they would work alongside possibly the FBI for something like this. But in this case, it's Homeland Security is the special agent in charge. And the fact that the government is now alleging that they had these offshore bank accounts that they were using to direct money to and changing, you know, having foreign entities take ownership of certain things, that that might have been how it got on their radar. Mm -hmm. That if there's certain with the the government uh maybe in 20 late 2010s like or, or late aughts like 2010 through 2013 ish around then passed this big sweeping tax regulation that has a lot of extraterritorial jurisdiction implications which is very boring and I will not bore you with but I wrote a whole paper about it in law school because the <laughs> federal government's basically said if you're an American citizen and you have dollars anywhere that's not America we want you to pay taxes on those dollars and so they keep. They I can't. thought that's why people put money in offshore accounts so they didn't well, have to pay taxes. Well, they used to. Oh, okay, until like the this firm. law. I equate everything about offshore accounts <laughs> to the firm, and I mention it <laughs> like, like every time offshore like accounts firm. come up. I mention the Cayman <laughs> Island firm stuff because that's all I know about it. But isn't that uh, why they had all their money there? Because yeah, they didn't have because to pay that taxes? was the nineties, though, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's Different what time. people were doing. 
the sweet you know Swiss bank accounts. You hear about Cayman Islands, yeah. Jersey, the Isle of Man, Jersey Island, whatever Guernsey. There's a ton of so I also did offshore asset protection trust as a class I took when I did my semester in the Cayman Islands. Which if you're in law school and you don't study abroad in Cayman Islands, you fucking up. <laughs> that was so choice. Uh, go to law nine school to just for that semester in the Caymans. I'm saying classroom <laughs> nine to noon, beach the rest of the time. Oh, nice, dope as hell. Uh, but. You're, but so this law got passed, and it, because the government can't, the U.S. government, although I'm sure it would like to, pass laws in every country in the whole entire world, what it has done instead is basically made these, uh, what's the word, tighten the screws on other countries that have basically said, if our citizen has more than X amount of dollars, you know, 10000 100000 whatever it is, in your offshore bank account, you have to send us a list at the end of the year of every U.S. citizen that had money in that account and tell us so we can go after them and make them pay taxes. And then there's international, pe- not penalties, but consequences for con- countries that don't do that, that don't comply with that. And so where before I think, oh, okay, well, I just put my money in the Caymans and nobody knows, now... They're probably going to the federal government will know about it. It makes it there are asset protection reasons that you could put your money somewhere else. But I don't think that that would, as the state of the law is now, necessarily protect you from paying federal income taxes. They go and get their money. Is that only money you make in the United States? That's the shady part about it is they want to say, well, if you're a U.S. citizen, then you made that money here, so then some some people give up their citizenship and they live six months out of the year. Well, that's six what I was going to say. What if day. you make? What if you go make all your money and you work in Canada, across the the border, but you live in the United States? Like, if your money is made in Canada, but you live in the United States, are you still having to like pay United States taxes? I'm not a certified public accountant. <laughs> I do not. I mean, there's it, so there's going to be questions of. How much did you make? When did you make it? That's an issue right now with um, remote workers. So say like I'm located in California. I work for company A in California. Well, we're all work from home and I just want to go and stay in Texas or Illinois. My family lives in Chicago. I'm just going to go work in Illinois during the pandemic. Well, I just technically now company A has an employee in Chicago and now they're going to get, so there's all these new rules some companies oh, are coming up with of yeah. like, please tell us if you're going to be gone for more than, I think it's like six weeks. So depends on the state. So yeah. that, there's tax lawyers that that's all they do all day long. Um, but to answer Bless your question, you, I don't, I don't know. Cause yeah, God help you if you're a tax lawyer. <laughs> uh, but, I, and, and there's also like issues with Apple had a bunch of money in Ireland and because it technically had an entity there, it's an Irish entity, but is it really technically it's Apple is mm-hmm. in California. So shouldn't they pay those taxes? And anyway, taxes is extre- extremely boring. All that to say is if you think you're hiding your money offshore, you're probably not. Yeah. Yeah. According to the complaint, Jen and Stewart participated in a business opportunity scheme from 2012 through 2021 in which they sold names of customers who would be defrauded. The indictment alleges that Jen and Stewart knew the leads they were providing to the companies were going to be targets of the scam. In the scam, customers were sold a, quote, business opportunity, usually some time of tax preparation or website design, despite the fact that the older adults did not even own computers. The scheme spanned multiple states and involved other participants. Jen and Stewart were allegedly also involved in helping the scammers provide a paper trail of proof to combat claims of fraud as well as assist in fighting victims when they requested refunds. 
Additionally, the government claims Jen and Stewart received a cut of the ill-gotten gains as part of their agreement with the companies, a.k.a. the participants. The government is asking for Jen and Stewart to forfeit any property that was illegally obtained, including any property that was commingled with innocent funds. So this is where the um, part of her motion to dismiss included an upload of one of the contracts that these customers were signing or were agreeing to over the phone. And I sent you a screenshot of it and it was $8,000 and they Mm -hmm. promised to set up a website. They promised to set up. So they promised to provide social media coaching, all this stuff, which sounds, it looks on paper legit, but if you're selling it to an 85 year old person that doesn't own a phone that does anything but call and doesn't own a computer, that's completely worthless. So it's, you technically have sold them services. That's where the this is a really insidious scam because they try to get themselves off by saying, well, it's we were ready to offer coaching services. We said all they had to do is log into this website and sign up for a time. Well, grandma's never going to do that because no. grandma don't have a phone. Yeah. And this happened to a client of mine at Legal Aid as well, who was she was given a website and she called us and said, hey, they charged me eight hundred dollars. It wasn't this company exactly for all I know, but she said they charged me eight hundred dollars and told me they set me up a website. And I went and looked and. Technically, they had, but they told her also, well, you know, you're going to sell all these computers and iPads, and she didn't. Yeah. And also, this whole forfeiture of property is going to be the real stinger because in their complaint, or yeah, in the complaint, they said they want forfeiture of the ill-gotten assets, but if they mix them up in their personal assets, that they want those to get forfeited as well. So if you paid for a house with half stolen money, half your own legal money that's property's gone well you may be able to you know with like hard property like that you'd say okay well 50 percent of the house proceeds are it i mean if i have a bank account and i put a hundred dollars of my money and a hundred dollars of you know i mow lawns and i get legitimate money and a hundred dollars of the stolen money and then i spend fifty dollars well what money got spent it's all fungible, yeah. right? Money is all the same thing. It's commingled. And so in that case, the government wants all 50 of those dollars because I can't prove, you know, by even with an accounting, you can't prove, well, I only spent lawn mowing money. I would never spend the crime mm-hmm. money. That's what that $50 is. It's like, no, it ain't. It's, you know. Yeah. So that's that's where I think it's going to be tough for uh, her and coach, especially if they have ugh, joint accounts. Yeah. Which might be why she is now saying that Coach was not the person that called her, that it was somebody on behalf of him because she's trying to not get him uh, tangled in this. Yeah, hopefully they have separate bank accounts. (laughs) Well, and like we were talking about off-air, something that comes out in season two is that in between season one and season two when they weren't filming, he contacted a divorce lawyer because of just issues she has – uh, separate from all of this, but they do not get divorced and they stay together. But you, we were speculating, like, do you think they may stay together so he doesn't have to testify against her because you don't have to testify against your spouse? Yeah, and that's who knows. I mean, if you watch season one, they have a tumultuous and volatile relationship because they are. I mean, he he's a little he's a lot more even keeled, but there are times when she is screaming, oh, throwing yes. things, crying. 
He's also rarely home, and Very he concedes home. that. And she says in the sh- you know on the show, this really, you know, this is a strain on our marriage. It makes me feel like you don't love me. He missed while he went to the wake. He did not go to her father's funeral, yeah. and that really hurt her. And so the you know they, I don't think it's a sham to say. We had marital problems. No, not at all. The world saw it. But on the flip side, there may be some benefit if he knows something that staying together would be beneficial to them. And he used to be a lawyer. So that's another reason I thought that was very interesting because it hasn't really come out. I haven't seen any articles like, did he know or not? But Mm -hmm. as long as this was going on and as they were married before this even started and he has a background in law, it would be hard for me to think he didn't know what was going well, on. Well, and during some of the previous, both Stuart and Jen have both previously testified in deposition or, you know, given sworn depositions in FTC matters and Federal yeah. Trade Commission matters for previous employers or previous, you know, co- companies they were somehow affiliated with. So they've both had to hire lawyers before. Mm -hmm. They've both had to go in and swear and do a deposition before. So it's not a shock that all of a sudden the feds are coming calling. I I, I would be shocked to say, to say, I didn't know what she did at all. I mean, it's like Tom and Erica, Erica can't say that she didn't know because she had been deposed Years before, too. So yeah. she knew something was going on. And they've been on. sued. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Jen's lawyers have made several claims in her defense and asked for the case to be dismissed. First, they say her Miranda rights were violated. When she was arrested, Jen signed a document voluntarily waiving her Miranda rights, but now claims that was a mistake. In an affidavit to the court, Jen claimed, My contact lenses, which were in my eyes, were dry, and I did not have my reading glasses, so my vision was blurry, and I was unable to read the paper in front of me. Come on now. I don't think. Well, and, like, it's come out now that the cops were like, okay, here's some saline. Let her fix her contacts. And then went went back to it. So even while this may be true— you you fixed it, and then they also just read them out loud to you. And she concedes that in the declaration yes. that they unhandcuffed her from the chair to which she was handcuffed. So it was a custodial interrogation, which is when someone has to be Mirandized as if you can't leave. You're held in custody. They're interrogating you. You're entitled to your Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination and the right to have a lawyer present. And before questioning the suspect, they have to be informed of the rights and you can waive those rights, but it has to be voluntarily, knowingly and intelligently. And this ticks all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Having dry contacts. I mean, the pretty much like you have to have in order to waive the Miranda rights, you have to have a full awareness of the nature of your right being abandoned and the consequences of the decision to abandon it. So they asked her out loud. They showed her the paper. Despite having dry contacts, she later didn't didn't her her contacts were quenched after they gave her the <laughs> solution. Hydrated. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear that she would understand the nature of the right as well as the consequences of abandoning it because in the totality of the circumstances, she was upright, aware, wasn't drugged, wasn't mm-hmm. she's. They also they look into the suspect's age, experience, education, background, intelligence. She's a boss woman, right? She knows everything. She's the Wizard of Oz mastermind yes. behind the curtain that yeah. she bragged about. But kind of the question is, does she have the capacity to understand the warnings that they gave her, which is 
plain language. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney if you can't afford one. I mean, she has the capacity to understand that. And then she knows if she goes on and talks that she in hot water. And the problem is she talked to him for like an hour and a half after yeah. waiving her rights. Just shut up. Yeah. Just shut your mouth and ask for a lawyer. Get your lawyer on the phone. You probably have one. So just get him on the phone. For sure. Not only that, she thought she may be in danger, not in trouble, which is why she freely went with officers. Her lawyers told the court she waived her rights. As a direct result of law enforcement deception and trickery calculated to overpower her will. Jen claims the police told her. I promise we just want to talk to you. Because of this, Jen swore in her affidavit. I was at this point very confused and emotionally off balance from the strange series of events, and I thought I may have been the victim of false identification. Why uh, would you jump to that conclusion? First, she thought that this person in New York that had abused her before was back in the picture. Now she thinks she's the victim of false identification. Everyone, I imagine, is emotionally off balance when they get arrested and the feds show up while you're filming a reality show. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. You're not the whole thing is thinking clearly. The whole, the whole situation's off balance. Yeah, no, that she's, of course, you're emotionally off balance. I don't think that that's a reason for, you know, her to say that she was not voluntarily and knowingly and intelligently waiving her rights. And also, the cops in all 50 states are allowed to lie to you in interrogation. That's just that that's part of one of the push uh, in, you know, police reform, law enforcement reform. Should they be allowed to? But saying while, yes, they said, I promise we just want to talk to you. They put her in handcuffs. Yeah. So read the room. Yeah. If it's for your safety, they're not going to put you in handcuffs. It's it's sticky because, uh, I mean, I feel like that's how you get a lot of false confessions out of people, too. Is you're, Yeah, they shouldn't lying. be allowed to lie. No, yeah. 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 So, but, I mean, but, I, yeah. I don't disagree or that she was emotionally off balance. I mean, she's emotionally off balance throughout the whole show. So I'm sure she was like confused and scared and everything but that doesn't mean that she didn't know what was going on yeah and especially again if it was i've just been running this business and no one's ever talked to me and i don't know anything it's like you've been deposed yeah and understood the ongoings of that company that you're previously engaged with maybe you thought oh well worst comes to worst i'll just get a fine by the ftc and told not to do this anymore and i won't go to jail which is what her lawyers have asked uh, or basically said, this is not something that rises to the level of criminal- criminality. This should be a civil matter with the Federal Trade Commission. We don't know why jail is being put on the table. But, I mean, if you thought that, you thought wrong. Well, so. maybe because of what you said earlier, of like they go after people where it's going to make an impression and she's mm-hmm. a public figure. And if she goes to jail, then maybe that would scare others into not doing it. And we're all talking about it, right? I yeah. mean, and, and if it was just some, you know, random sales floor runner that's yeah. you know stealing people's information or even legally getting people's information and scamming them we would just be like oh man that sucks it happens a lot mm-hmm. you know i probably would have talked about it in my previous job as like a public education issue but it it's not the same when it's tied up with a celebrity ish yeah. yeah her lawyers also say the government's allegations are too vague her defense attorneys have an issue with the government claiming that jen is accused of working alongside unspecified co-conspirators in unspecified places selling unspecified products and services to unspecified victims while laundering money through unspecified accounts with unspecified financial institutions at unspecified times over an eight or nine year period. 
Her attorneys also took issue with the millions of documents of evidence turned over to them by the government. That is way too many unspecifieds. <laughs> I, th- I think they were doing that to really just twist the knife, drive it home. It is vague when you read the superseding indictment, when you read the uh, government's there, they came out with, you know, those statements that we talked about earlier. It is vague. It says she worked with some people in a scheme doing this. And under the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure and the Fifth Amendment, I mean, you ha- you have a right to know what you're being charged with and what you're being, yeah. you know, alleged of doing. Uh, they, the, they've gone back and forth on this. But the because I think the government's playing it close to the vest, that's kind of what they try to do up front because they it's they shouldn't though they should be able they should tell you we did this on this day and this time in that case and it's what her lawyers did is ask for what's called a bill of particulars you make a motion and say you know you said I had offshore accounts. Okay, which ones are you talking about? Yeah. You said I sold leads to scam companies. What company? I sold leads to 30 companies. Was it, are you saying all 30 of them were scams? Or was it only two of them were scams? you got to show receipts. Yes, that's exactly what a bill of particulars <laughs> is. You go, your honor, the government hath not provided its receipts. Um, Do they make it that vague because they're still collecting information and they don't want to pigeonhole themselves into one thing, so they do it really vague so they can add more stuff as they go? Possibly. And and as they discover more stuff and yeah. they, they look into more things. So it's not right, though, because we do have a Fifth Amendment right to know the charges against us. It's in the rules of procedure and everything. But uh, the, the judge said <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. The judge later rejected these arguments, stating Jen was read every Miranda question aloud, meaning her dry contacts were irrelevant. Her motion to dismiss was denied. Yeah, they had asked to suppress the contents of uh, the the results of search warrants, which was like pinging a cell phone, checking emails. They also asked the government to turn over exculpatory evidence as well as what's called Giglio evidence, which is material that will show if there's any law enforcement misconduct. Um, but there's a law that got passed. I you know, in the last five years or so, that's the Due Process Protections Act. So that's all that stuff's going to be turned over regardless. And the government's already said, oh, we'll turn all that over. They know uh, Brady is a Supreme Court decision. And the con- we talked about it in Clemente Aguirre, I mm-hmm. believe, where the government has to turn over ex- something that could possibly prove your innocence. As for this excessive documents, I mean, they said... It's 227 gigs of material, including a million separately designated documents with multiple pages, 36 hours of audio and video recording from 500 different sources, including hundreds of thousands of pages of financial records, Google drives associated with hundreds of accounts, um, and more than 400 electronic devices. Just from her and Stuart? No. So this case was filed before she got involved. That's why her indictment is called a superseding indictment, because I think it was late 2019. There were 10 defendants on on these similar kind of issues, and the government has made a connection between her and the defendants that have already been charged and have now come out saying— Gotcha. She's connected to this. So when you look up her case, I got kind of thrown when I went into Pacer, which is the online record system to pull all this info, that it said a different name at the top. Eventually it showed like down, it says the U.S. government versus blah name. And then 
there's a whole list of other names and her name was on there. And then I was able to filter it just by her name. But at first I was like, oh, that's not right because that's somebody else's name. And then when you look into it, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> this is they, she's being attached to a wider scheme and oh, controversy. So in that case, do you have to pay the piper for other people's misdeeds or are you just going to be charged with like the stuff you did? Well, so she's been charged with a conspiracy to commit wire fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering. And so, I mean, the conspiracy is all about making an act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Like, they can't get on you for just thinking that you wanted to launder money. They have to show that you opened an offshore bank account or that you – the one of the government's allegations was that they started opening – uh, entities in third-party names like family, friends, mm-hmm. other names and stuff. And so the government may point to that. So the question, too, is that she's like, you know, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. What they're charging her with is not necessarily scam. They're char- of like, you know, scamming people. They're charging her with these money laundering, wire fraud. So what they've selected a very narrow thing that they have to prove, mm-hmm. although then they were extremely vague in their complaint. Yeah. But like you said, I think that's probably because she, uh, you know, they, they want to play their cards close to the vest. Yeah. Jen's cousin, Danny Felipe, tried starting a GoFundMe to pay for Jen's defense. The now-deleted fundraising effort claimed that the Shaws had already spent $138,000 in legal fees and were seeking $2.5 million more. According to the Daily Mail, Jen herself liked her cousin's post when he shared the link to donate. And yeah, they took that down. People are commenting like, you're fucking trash. Like, this is terrible. You scammed people and now you want our money too. This is just another scam. How would, if, if they're as wealthy as they claim, why would you need other people's money to pay for your legal defense? That's a great question. (laughs) I mean, I mean. I'm two point five million dollars is a ton of money, but to them it seems like that wouldn't be. I mean, the way they portray their lifestyle, it seems like that would be. They would have enough to do that. This, I think, of, of all things, as well as Tom and Erica and the housewife and the hustler, shows us that a lot of this stuff that we're watching, it's not re- the reality is not real. That it's a house mm-hmm. of cards that we're being fed a line. And you're right. If they're so rich, why do they need, you know, $2.5 million for this? I think the text of the GoFundMe was like, she's being, this is the sick part. He's like, she's being wrongfully accused and millions of people are wrongfully accused every year. Okay, let's not equate. I don't, yeah. Let's not conflate. Nah. Someone who's been, you know, exonerated after being locked up for decades and losing, you know, the prime years of their life. Yeah. With this lady Someone that has been been out- in her jewels and burning design, money, designer clothes, going on ski trips, going all over the place, being on reality shows. Yeah. Yeah. She's burning money essentially. So I think that's why people were kind of grossed out by it. But you know, it's the thing about GoFundMe. You can start it for anything. Uh, you know what? Mother God asked for a tilt a whirl. Mm-hmm, so did, yeah. you can never got it. Yeah. She didn't. Our poor mother God. She's, <laughs> she's on the big tilt a whirl in the sky <laughs> or underground. Depends. Yeah. The reactions to the allegations from Jen's co-stars have been mixed. However, several have remained by her side. Heather Gay told Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens. I have one job, and it's to be Jen's friend. That's it. Gay also revealed that she had her suspicions Jen was involved in something shady, saying, I knew her business was unsavory when I was her friend, so why would I change it now that it's public? Housewife Lisa Barlow also had some advice for her new BFF. 
telling Jin after season two wrapped. I was your friend then. I'm your friend now. I know you're innocent, and I'm going to stand by you. That was a very good Lisa impression. <laughs> Thank you. I was like internalizing Lisa's voice right now. I, I was trying your to friend then. I'm your I friend, was your friend now. now. I love I know this. You're innocent. She's always losing her voice. How? I love this. She's she just screams screaming all the, all the fucking time. She screams. Time? I love this all the time. God. That's another super clip. I'll put that in the show notes. Even if you don't watch it, it's this woman walking around house. I going, love this. the new shout. It's the house. It's it's isn't it Jen Shaw's yeah, it house? Uh huh. And she's going. So you get a tour of the Shasha LA 2.0, the, oh, where I the rest of this, this. money's going. Oh, I love Jen, this. I love this. I love Jen, this. I love this. Yeah, God. it's a, uh, you gotta see the baby. <laughs> it is very, She's you gotta just like, see I baby. love your house. She has a little catchphrase like that lady. But uh, that's that, that was a little bit of a cringe moment for me to hear that Heather said, oh, I knew her business was unsavory. She said maybe that. She's, she's, maybe she's the one that ratted her to the fence. Oh, she said, um. I didn't think it was illegal, but you know, okay. they, they all kind of thought like, yeah, she's probably doing something where she's like selling your name to something. And that's mm-hmm. how we get like sales calls that we didn't sign Fucking up for. Text messages like asking yeah. me like, dude, I got one the other day, a group text. And anytime it happens, there's always someone that doesn't responding. know what's going on. And someone responded and was like, who is this? And someone else was like, this is spam. And they're like, I'm a 68-year-old woman. What do you want with me? And I was like, don't ask that to somebody that's just texting you. No, they're going to tell you what they want with you. Yeah. But so she said she didn't think it was illegal or to the point where, you know, jail time would be involved. But I think they all kind of had their suspicions that it wasn't on the total up and up. And it is gross when you think about that of like, oh, she's like the reason why you get those calls mm-hmm. that are like your car warranty is under. God, every day, I, mean, I don't all think day. she is, but definitely getting those calls from a human that says, oh, hello, do you want to, you know, start a business? Like, we just need $8,000 yeah. from you. We just need your bank account. If I had $8,000, I wouldn't need to start a business because I probably no. have a job where I'm making money. Yes. <laughs> I could invest it in something <laughs> that's not a f- person on the other line. Jen also maintains she is innocent. She pleaded not guilty and was released on a $1 million bond. She is not being detained pending trial. However, she is no longer allowed to engage in telemarketing and not allowed to leave the state without approval from the pretrial officers. She was forced to surrender her passport as well. Jen is also not allowed to use a credit card, obtain a new line of credit, or contact her co-defendant, Stewart, who has also pled not guilty. Her trial was originally scheduled for October of 2021, but has been pushed out until March of 2022 due to COVID. Until then, we'll have to wait to see if Jen Shaw is guilty of fraud, or if, like her Real Housewives tagline states, The only thing I'm guilty of is being shaw amazing. She doesn't sell that line. <laughs> Shab-u- she has shabulous, shamazing. Shaboom. I heard there was like a bunch of them in the one I was watching last night where she's talking well, to one of her assistants about the the party she throws for coach, which she ruins. She absolutely ruins. Well, I went because, you know, she said I made all this money and then I invested in a clothing line. And I thought, oh, OK, well, I'll go see because another woman on the show, her son, Brooks, has a clothing line. And I he it's only jogging suits. And, and he, I, want I think one. it's only one. <laughs> It's only one. Jo- it's like a black jogging suit, and I desperately want one. It's, it's a nice looking jogging suit. It's so but it was cute. Just, they had a fashion show, and everyone was wearing the same. Everyone the had same jogging suits on. Six, uh, six but I models. want one. 
uh, I'm, I, I need to, maybe they're in a store or something in Salt Lake oh City. Oh my gosh. And I can find well, one. Meredith's store is there. We got to go to Meredith's store. We could store. go to Meredith's store. <gasps> we could get a face mask. We could get a face mask that that's all yes, jewels. the rhinestone. Or, I mean, I'm sure it's way out of my league, but she has a jewelry store. So mm. I wonder if, like, there's a tiny little thing I can get from there. Like a like a charm, like a charm bracelet charm or something. Yeah. Oh, we should go. I'm going to look up what it is. I bet, because we'll that'll be open. That and yeah. stop by Beauty Lab. Beauty Lab and laser. I feel like, <laughs> can you laser our faces? Um, well, yeah. So, so what do so we I think? Looked up, well, I would say I looked up her fashion line and it's all t-shirts with different shaw catchphrases on Lord. them it says like shaw squad shaw amazing and it's i was like this is a t-shirt shop this is not the same <laughs> you wouldn't even line. wear this don't no. yeah this isn't a fashion line this is red no. bubble we can all do this it's not yeah. impressive yeah i think she i can't imagine she didn't know what was going on here yeah, and I think that's the problem is they're going to try to connect her with this ongoing case, which they mentioned the name of the ongoing case um, in one of the, I think it was during her arraignment. They said, Your Honor, this is like the, I think it's Carbacci case, which is similar of like selling names, selling information. And so I think the government's probably went after her thinking She's not going to want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. She'll plead out. We'll settle it. But we want to put a stop to this because this has become, you know, like the fellowship I did was all about helping older adults who have been financially exploited. So stopping scams targeting older adults is becoming is a federal government priority. And so the Federal Trade Commission can definitely fine you, but to really show that the government's really, really serious on stopping crimes against older people, they're going to throw you in jail. They're going to make an example out of her. Yeah. So that's the thing is conspiracy to commit wire fraud and then the conspiracy to commit money laundering. They just have to prove that they took a step in furtherance of those acts And it sounds like, you know, with all this information that the government has essentially dumped on her lawyers, they're going to have to go through all of it um, and figure out what exactly she's being charged or, you know, what exactly she's being alleged to have done, the the specific acts, the specific accounts, the specific counterparties. Will the victims see any money? Not usually. Uh, That's kind of the, the rough part. There was a settlement, like when I worked at the FTC for my little internship, it was a phone company where people had signed up for... Uh, horoscope, daily horoscope texts. Oh, yeah. And they were not aware that they were getting a $10 a month charge. And oh. some people had been charged $10 a month every month for like five years. Dang. Well, the government can go in and shut down the company, but a lot of times the money's been yeah. spent up. And if they can find who the victims were, they may try to some recompense, send it back. But for the most part, not usually. That's kind of the, the tough part. That was the toughest part of the job as helping the seniors who had been financially exploited is... You can try to go after the counterparty, but a lot of times the money is spent up on, I don't know, uh, leopard print tracksuits and uh, yeah. ski chalets yes. and whatnot that it kind of already gets spent. So do you think that's hard? Coach knew? That's a good question. I, I don't, I mean, maybe, you know, him being gone as much as he is, as far as we've seen on the show, and then looking at his past resume where he constantly had like three jobs at once. 
it may be that that she said we have a FaceTime marriage. You know, we get on FaceTime and talk to each other. So it may may very well be that you know he has a separate account, she has a separate account. That's not unheard of in in marriages. And if he's not home that much and is only you know, he's not home so much that he missed her dad's funeral yeah. and that they only talk on FaceTime because he's so dedicated to this football team. It, it could be that he didn't know. I mean, he the, on the flip side is he's a lawyer. And at some point, do you say, well, what have you been doing? Like, what is your job? Wait, you got deposed by the FTC? What's happening? Even if they had joint accounts, I mean, she doesn't claim to not have a job. So if he sees yeah. money coming in, I mean, it could just be, oh, yeah, that's just what she makes at her job. And she's like, Business is good, and yeah. that's why we have this much money in the account. That's true, too. You know, he can't trace it back or whatever. I have so. noticed in season two, they do a lot more shots where she's doing, like, work stuff. Like, on one, she's like, Stu, the deal with the CBD company came in. Can you handle this email? And then there's another mm. one. I'm like, she's trying to, like, show everybody that this is all legit and on the up and up. And I'm sure she asked or demanded, like, I'll be on season two if this is. If these shots yeah. are in there, yeah. Show me doing – show me sitting at computer and yes. typing. Yes, absolutely. So she, uh, she got her wish, though, because they are trying to show that more. But, yeah, because in season one, even if she was in her office, she was, like, trying on outfits. Mm-hmm. Well, doing less business we're going to be in Salt Lake City next week, so maybe we'll run into some of these guys and so get excited. some answers firsthand. But before that, we are in Denver the day yes, this you're, comes you're out, listening, October listening. 13th. <laughs> October 13th, we're talking to you from the past. You are in the future, which is now your present. And someday later when someone else is listening to it, it'll be their past. Wow. Isn't time crazy? <laughs> uh, but we'll be in Denver at Comedy Works, downtown Denver, October 13th. And in Salt Lake City, we're going to be at Wise Guys, Jordan Landing, on October 14th. We have got some good topics for you guys mm-hmm. that Tickets we cannot are still wait. available. Tickets are available. We can't wait to see you. And then for our Texas friends, San Antonio, October 26th. We're going to be at the Laugh Out Loud Club. Dallas, we're going to be here October 27th. It's sold out, but we added a second show in Dallas. If you're in or around the Dallas area, October, I'm sorry, November 2nd. And then on my birthday, we have a couple tickets left for the Houston show on my birthday, October 28th. So come see us live. Come see us live. We love providing Sinister Hadiyu at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves tier, special shout-out on the show, monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive audio and video content, including uh, Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, where we just did a personal Am I the Asshole, personal... Some good ones. Personal relationship advice uh, we do via Dear Sinister. We also have Judge Christie, all on true crime headlines, all kinds of fun stuff over there. And going to be making some more behind-the-scenes tour videos yes. from Denver and Salt Lake. So keep an eye out for those. You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q&As where you can ask us all your burning questions. 
For patrons not in the U.S., you also have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships in all tiers are also now available. If you select this option, you will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been uh, tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. We've got so many cool pictures of people in their tour shirts. We've Love also it. got folks in the Racerback tanks, which I have both of them. Uh, and the Don't Tell Me to Calm Down was featured on BuzzFeed for all the mm-hmm. goth kids at heart. So uh, I wore my Judge be... Christie shirt out the other day. I do. <laughs> I've worn my Judge Christie shirt out as well. Uh, would you I wear, wear my... a Would you wear a shirt that said your own name on it? Absolutely. <laughs> I wore a Judge Christie shirt when I put in my notice at my old job and nice. i texted you and was like represent it was a zoom call too <laughs> they were like get out of here kid. uh but if you want to get cool swag uh like t-shirts mugs totes and clothes for your kiddos go to sinisterhood.com click on shop in the top banner and do not forget that through the month of october we are donating all the profits from all of our merch sales to the center for reproductive rights uh who a great organization that's working tirelessly in the courts on behalf of people with uteruses in texas and elsewhere who need access to reproductive health care The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood Christy. I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Andrea Grabner. Jara Romosco. Chandler Elliott Fila. Kara Donahue. Robin Wilson. Jill Stouffer. Olivia Jensen. Angela Kirk. Christina. Chelsea Spear. Kaya Wanshi. Leah. Jennifer Blades. Michelle DeLeon. Vicky. Marie Ioder. Adrian P. Katie Zanowski. Jeanette Burson. Charlotte Parrish. Bianca Bernhardt. Chelsea Elm. Nicole Morrison. Jess. Carolyn Smith. Alex Peck. Caitlin Morden. Madison Luck. Lisa. Kelsey Knutson. Jody Warenshold. Steffi G. Haley. Brittany Falconio. Alana. Henna. Aaron Nuoner. Kristen Bent. Nicole. Donna Webdell. Megan Fountain. Ashley Woods. Inga. Melanie Hall. Brianna Meek. Caitlin Mahoney. Jennifer Beasley. Katie Anderson. Julie McAuliffe. Ashley Davis. Aaron Aguilar, my brother. High Proof Designs. I love you. Thank you for supporting the show. And us always with all of our cool laser engraved stuff that you always do for the show. You are the most amazing. And I love you. You are. I love you too. Thank you so much for the support. Ellie Dougherty. Mackenzie Swart. Jacqueline Trudeau. Kay Pickett. Emily Quilter. Becca McSweeney. Kelly Ruiz. Luz. Megan Freeman. Nicole Ray. Katie O'Keefe. Brianna Kimbrough. Kristen Ashmead. Melissa Lopez. Krista. Angelina Rupert. Samantha R. Hatcher. Sarah Musawi. Colton. Zoe. Emily. Nicole Carey. 
Justine Goforth, Abigail Shigara Moeller, Kyla Khan Styla, Lily Pop, Bree, Victoria Gersterfer. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We hope we pronounced your names right. We sincerely appreciate all of your support, especially during these trying times. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs> 